I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm a senior editor at Light Reading, and we're here at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. I'm joined by Adrian Grace with Etsy. Good to see you. Good to see you, Kelsey. Yeah, thanks for joining me. How's your week going so far? It's busy. Yeah, <laughs> it's for busy. sure. <laughs> compared to the last NWC, which was already a you know, a, a big step forward this year is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're back to... Back to, uh, back to normal. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what Etsy's been up to. I think you have some software development groups that you recently launched. Is that right? Um, uh, the concept of software development groups, yeah, we've, uh, for a long time, we've realized that uh, as we go forward, there is more of a need for software components to be included within standards, even going to the extent where the standard itself is a software rather than a, a, something you print off of a, off a machine. Uh, but to do that, it, it sounds simple. It's not quite so simple in, in practice. We've had long discussions about how we should establish such groups. Those con uh, discussions are now complete, and we now have the ability to establish software development groups as and when we need them, including the, uh, the, the, the big elephant in the room, what would be the IPR regime surrounding those groups. Okay. So, so what are some of the things that they're uh, working on? Uh, do they have some goals that they've set? Uh, we haven't actually created any software development okay. groups yet. So we've, we've established the concept. Mm -hmm. uh, we've already been working on software for quite a long time. Uh, we have the open source Mano activity, which has been running for many years. And it's really taking that to the next step. Um, so we're looking for candidate uh, subjects, which would then be our very first uh, software development groups. Sounds good. And do you have any updates on your work around Open RAN specifications with the ORAN Alliance? I mean, that's a big subject here at the show. It's right. a big subject everywhere. You, you, a day <laughs> doesn't go by it. without <laughs> mentioning ORAN. And I, from the beginning, I have to say I'm, I'm a bit of a, an ORAN fan as a concept. I think the, the intent is correct. You know, there's absolutely uh, compelling reasons why you would want to move in that direction. The complexity is how do you do it in a way that, that is suitable for industry, that works, that scales, is affordable, doesn't use too much energy and all of the sort of technical questions that have been surrounding this this great concept um, the Etsy doesn't write standards for ORAN that's not within our current portfolio that work is being done by the ORAN Alliance but Etsy cooperates very closely with the ORAN Alliance and we're now at the stage where the Alliance is presenting to us their results which we will then process as publicly available specifications or passes um, so the results will then be published as ETI deliverables, which originate from the ORAN Alliance. Uh, this is not just a rubber stamping exercise. We don't just take their results and put an ETI logo on it. The, the results have to go un uh, undergo scrutiny. Uh, we look through them to see if there are any uh, flaws that we detect, and then an ETI committee will validate that work. ETI members will approve the work, and it will be published as ETI specs. So it's the beginning of a long story, I think. We published the very first... Um, deliverable re we received from the ORAN Alliance, but we expect to get uh, many more. Yeah, lots of work ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have any updates around uh, edge computing as well? Uh, any work around that area? I mean, edge computing, again, it's one of those uh, stories that's been around a long time. We've been working on uh, multi-access edge computing for years and years and years. But it's sort of coming into its own now, and we're seeing much more interest from a deployment point of view. Point of view. It's only when you get deployment that you start to um, get feedback on the maturity of standards and you understand where there is a need for maybe imperfections to, to be fixed. So it's work in progress. 
Um, still a very vibrant subject. It's a committee in Etsy that attracts a lot of attention. Um, and, and yeah, the work is going on. My guess is it'll be going on for an awful long time. Yeah, definitely a lot of interest yeah. in that area right now. Um, so I've seen a, a little bit of, uh, you know, discussion and demos around 6G already. I feel like we're still trying to figure out 5G, but yeah. oh, sure, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, it, it, 60. So <laughs> what are you seeing uh, trends around 6G and, and what are you looking forward to there? I mean, it's a real surprise. We, we hadn't even published the, the, the first version of 5G standards and we saw the first white papers on 6G. Yeah. And, and we often get accused as an industry body, people saying, why are you working on 6G so early? But it's not us, it's industry that is, is fueling this, um, this debate. It's the, it's the major players, the household names in industry who've already published 6G white papers. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not going to go away. Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? I mean, I, actually, I think it's a good thing that we, we get this on the table early because uh, if you really want to encapsulate leading edge technologies, that is typically the result of a long-tail research activity. If you look in most regions of the world, but Europe in particular, an enormous amount of money has been put on the table for 6G research. That then focuses the minds of the researchers. They, they know roughly the time frame they have to develop uh, their results. Um, and people are sort of talking about 2028 for 6G deployment, 2020, 30, 2028, 2030. That's only five years away, so it isn't actually uh, that far into the distance. If you take into account the, the need to take research results, mature them, bring them into standards. Um, so it's, it, it's probably not a surprise that, that we are where we are. What I should say, though, is that, of course, the primary focus of us is still very much on 5G. We're in the early stages of deployment. Mm -hmm. There are some 250 networks live now on 5G, but most of those are working in non-standalone mode. You know, we don't really see standalone taking off in, in mass deployment yet. So um, we've got a long way to go with 5G. Uh, but. It, you know, taking into account this long-tail research need, it's, it's, it's probably right that we get the 6G discussion on the table now. From a standards point of view, uh, 3GPP haven't devoted any time to 6G. They're fully focused on um, completing the 5G package and with their release 18, introducing 5G Advanced, which is the, the mid-generation point, if you like. It's halfway between 5G and, and, and 6G, yeah. and that work will be complete then by, by the end of this year. By March next year, we should have release 18 standards out there and published. So we're at the midway point, five years to run, probably right that we now start to think about what 6G will, will be. Yeah, definitely a challenge to balance the two. Um, when do you foresee more momentum around 5G standalone? Um, I, I mean, going from non-standalone to standalone is, is a big deal. I mean, it's not, we shouldn't be surprised that it's taking a long time. There's a lot of moving parts, moving not just your radio, but your core network to a service-based architecture. It, it's sort of, um, it's coincident with other things as well. It's coincident with virtualization. It's coincident with, with Open RAN. And all of these moving parts need to be brought together somehow in the way that you evolve your network. So I think we need to build a bit of confidence. We're seeing the first standalone deployments. Uh, 1G industry sees that it, 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 it can scale, it does work and it is available, then I think we will see more momentum. But it's also a huge investment, you know, and it's a different skill set than we had before. So it's all about training your staff, making sure you have the right competence, pr uh, procuring the equipment. There's a lot happening to go to, to standalone. Some countries are very well advanced in that, others are really sort of taking more of a, uh, a, a gradual step in that direction.
But it's only when we get standalone that you will really start to see uh, what 5G was designed for, you know, and in non-standalone, all you're really doing is adding capacity to your network, which which is okay, but it wasn't the intention of, of 5G. Yeah, I, I still think I don't want to sign up for the robotic surgery use uh, case, though. I don't know about well, that. Or remote, uh, sorry, remote surgery. If, if it, <laughs> or robots, either way. If it was the only chance to save my life, I'd give it a go, but, uh, but otherwise I think I'd be a bit cautious. Yeah, we might not want to be yeah, the beta no, testers. No. Anything else you're looking forward to um, this week? Any uh, discussions or trends? Um, at, at MWC that you're excited about? I mean, looking around the show, I haven't had much time yet, but looking around the show, it seems very pragmatic. We're seeing demonstrations of um, functions and features that we are likely to see commercialized in the near term, not the far term. So I don't think here it's too, it's too way into the future. I think it's a bit more realistic this year. Um, so it's, it's good to see those use cases where um, the, the, the big guys are really saying, this is where we, we see our future. And, a lot of interest in private networks. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen significant uh, moves in that direction. Um, when private networks were first standardized, there was a bit of skepticism there. You know, are, are enterprises really going to go and deploy their own networks? And over time, we're realizing there's a huge appetite for that. And there are many, many demonstrations here on, on private deployments. And I think that's, that's one of the key uh, interest for me at the show. The other is the non-terrestrial networks and you know again over time we're seeing much much more interest in, in non-terrestrial networks for for many different reasons. Um, I was at an event in, in London two weeks ago and we were we were discussing you know how, how, how well have we done in mobile and I was reflecting on the fact we've been doing this for 40 years mobile if you go back to the first when GSM standards were, were started that's 40 years ago and we still don't have 100% coverage in, in, in civilized countries of the world and you think well why why is it taken 40 years and we still haven't got there and then you look at sort of solutions for that and non-terrestrial really does offer a viable path forward to sort of connect remote areas um, also to do so in a very energy efficient way because the network's solar powered so uh, which is another um, big issue right now this whole energy crisis and the the affordability of running networks because of their energy consumption so i think you'll see a lot of green a lot of sustainability here mm -hmm. um, so yeah great looking forward to actually getting some time on the booths and yeah. seeing some demos yeah you hit all the high points there <laughs> that's all well, really enough exciting. to keep me busy for three days I know, so. that's great yeah well um hope you get plenty of coffee and rest and thank you so much for joining it's me it's been my pleasure thank you Kelsey. you too